0: I want to talk to you about being mothers of faith or people of faith regarding children. And our key scripture is 2 Timothy. You're all familiar with this scripture. Paul's writing to his spiritual son. You know, you you have mothers and fathers in the flesh, and you have spiritual mothers and fathers. So he's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1, verse 5 says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, within you, Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Isn't that wonderful? That he's, he's saying, I am mindful that your grandmother had faith, your mama had faith, and now you have faith. Because we are to leave a heritage of faith for our families. Amen? And whether you are a parent or a grandparent, you are to leave a heritage of faith that they know. You know, one thing, I, I knew my mama, she usually woke up around 4.30, and I knew, this is before she went into a nursing home, but she would sit at her kitchen table, And she would take our pictures off her, they were always on her refrigerator, the latest pictures, and she would take them and put them on her table with her Bible, and every morning at 4.30 to 5, I knew my mama was praying for me. And you know what, she prayed for for my family, and uh, sometimes she was disappointed because it didn't look like her prayers were being answered. What a wonderful thing that at the end of her life she had her three kids and their spouses around her and grandchildren who were all speaking the word of God and glorifying God. And I remember her just weeping and saying, God answered my prayers. But it took, it took some time. Sometimes it takes time, doesn't it? But he says in verse 6, he says, for this reason... I remind you, Timothy, to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For what reason? The reason is because you've had faith put in you, Timothy, from your grandmother to your mother and from me, so you stir it up. You know what? You can, you can preach and teach faith to your children and your grandchildren and to other children, to other people, but there comes a time when they have to stir it up. Amen? Someone said we were uh, teaching in GCW this week about uh, having your own faith. And we talked about how we have to raise children to have their own faith. Because if you don't, they'll always look to you to pray for them, to, you know, believe, with them, believe for them. And, and uh, it's our responsibility to teach them how to believe. Teach them how to pray. But you never, my point was, you never stop praying for them. You never stop believing for them. But you, it's godly to teach them. It's like some people just, if the pastor prays, then that's all they need. But a good pastor is going to teach people how to pray. A good pastor is going to equip people how to use their own faith. Amen? So that's how we have to do with people in our life, that we have to kindle the faith in us. But we also have to share the faith with others. Amen. You know what? God, God has people in your life that they, they look to you. Maybe they're new believers or maybe they've been believers for a long time, but they've just started getting hungry for the word. They're looking to you. And you know what? If you do something squirrely, they'll think that's just fine isn't that true have any of y'all been guilty of doing something squirrely well thank you back there thank you for those hands my hands up I'm glad there's some perfect people in here but you need to pray for the rest of us have you ever done something and then you go oh man Wish I hadn't done that. Because somebody saw me do it, and they think that's okay. I'm not talking about great big sins. I'm talking like I skipped church to watch a hockey game. Well, then I invited three other people over to watch it with me. So i got three other people that should be at church or watching the hockey game with me. I don't know if that's happened. Don't think I'm talking to somebody. But if the Holy Ghost is talking, <laughs> you better listen. <laughs> but I know in my own life there was times when, when I had people that I really respected in the Lord. I remember being at this convention. Dave and I had driven down from Canada three days in the car because we didn't have money to stay at a hotel. We, we just took turns driving because it was 36 hours. And we just took turn, turns driving uh, because we didn't have the money to stay And so we were just thankful. We were so hungry for the word. We were so excited to be there. And the first night, I mean, we were just, oh, man, they had reserved seats for us. And we were like, oh, glory, the greatest preachers are preaching, and we get to hear them. And so after the service, a great woman of faith that I really respected came up and said, Brownie, some of us women are skipping the meetings in the morning and going shopping. Why don't you come with us? You've been up in Loon Lake. I'm sure the shopping's not that great. Come with us. Shopping. And you know what? I thought, I came for the word. I'm hungry for the word. But I was so disappointed because people I looked up to were skipping church to go shopping. And it really did influence me, but it was a negative influence. And so we have to be careful, don't we, that we have a positive influence and that we don't keep anybody. The Bible says if you cause one of these little ones to stumble that is not good. So if you're if you're going to do something that you know is not right well first of all you shouldn't do that and pray that you don't. But if you do, don't influence somebody else to join you. Amen. Uh, you know, today there's so many things that you could do and you could influence people, but God wants us to influence for good. The same way that could negative, you can influence positive. You know, you might have somebody in your life, and you can say to them, "Come to church." I mean, I was sitting at a table with Michelle yesterday, and you know, she was saying, "I'm going to be at church tomorrow," and and Audrey had already told me, "I'm going to be at church tomorrow." I mean, they've just gone through very few hours of sleep. Bobby and Amanda, I talked to Amanda. Amanda said, "We're going to be at church," and you know what? My flesh wanted to say, "You need to sleep." But I knew they needed to be under the word. But I said to the other people at the table, well, you come too. We give out flowers and a gift. <laughs> they were all women. Come too. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. We can influence for good. Amen. I want to talk to you. I want to read to you about a woman named Hannah. Anybody know who Hannah was in the Bible? What a great woman. Hannah, she was barren. She couldn't have children, but she loved God, and she worshiped God. But let me read. Let's see where we're going to start. Let's go to uh, verse chapter 1, verse 9. Hannah and her husband, they've gone up to the priest, Eli, to make their sacrifice, their yearly sacrifice to the Lord. said, so Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look at the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son... Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. That was, a, that was a vow that they made to the Lord. If they didn't cut their hair, that was called the Nazarene vow. And those Nazarenes were, they were dedicated to the Lord. And so that's what she's talking about. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Happened in Acts 2, didn't it? (laughs) Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. You can misjudge people sometimes, can't you? But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She believed the word of the Lord. Amen. Verse 19. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. Now, this is a woman who hadn't been able to conceive. But she went to the house of the Lord, and she made her request to the Lord, and the Lord heard her. Then the man, Elikai, went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Elekanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. She said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Then she began to pray and sing a song of thanksgiving. Here's a woman who had asked the Lord for a child. Can you imagine that, you you know, the other people in your household, they all have children. You don't have a child. You ask God for a child. He gives you a child. But because you have dedicated him to the Lord. And you told the Lord he will go to your house. You take him away from your village. You take him to another village. You take him to the priest and you leave him. At the house of the Lord. Your only child which you have been barren all these years. Can you imagine the love of that mother for the Lord? But she also knew if I will give him to the Lord, God will do great things with him. You know her her son's name was Samuel. And you know Samuel became a great prophet of God. Verse 18 in chapter 2 says, Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. And his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home. The Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and gave birth to three sons And two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. What a great sign of giving to the Lord and he giving back. It took faith for her to leave Samuel with Eli. But if you will give what you have and trust it to the Lord, then he will multiply it. Amen? Amen. You know, the... Many of you know that the doctors all said I couldn't have children. And then I, we knew God had already told us that we'd have a son named Jonathan David and we'd have a daughter named Liberty. God had spoke that before we ever got married to each one of us. So we knew what God said, but the doctor said something else. So when Jonathan was born, the doctor said to me, we don't know how this happened But you'll never have another child. But we dedicated Jonathan to the Lord. The moment he came out of the womb, his daddy lifted him up and said, I give you this child. So the same thing happened. God saw that we gave the child to him. So what did God do? He gave us liberty. It's a law of the Lord. That what you give to him, he takes it and multiplies it. Many times we talk about that as far as money. But let me tell you, if you are of a faith that you can give your children to the Lord, truly give them. Say, Lord, I give you my child. You know, many people are afraid to do that because they have a wrong conception. Because they think if they give their child to God, he's going to kill them. But... That's a a religious thought. That's not true. God is not the killer. He's not the destroyer. Whatever I give to God, would God ever cause me to give something that would cause me sorrow? Why would? Because he's not a God of sorrow. He has no sorrow, so he can't give us sorrow. So whatever we give to God, so today when you are praying for your children or you're praying for someone else's children, let me tell you, God has set you in a family of God so that we can pray one for another. And so you are responsible to pray for other people's children. I'm thinking today, I was praying this morning for Maria Gross's children. She went to heaven. And I had a thought today. Early this morning, and then my daughter texted me and said, I, I'm thinking of them this morning and praying for them. It's their first Mother's Day. But you know, it's, it's our responsibility to be mothers to them, to be family to them. Why? Because God is the God that multiplies. God is the God who gives back. And so we are responsible. But what happened? She took Samuel to Eli, the priest. Now that sounds like what God wanted her to do. It seems like that was God's plan. But do you know Eli had some sons? The sons of the priest. And you know what they were like? Were they like Samuel? I'll read you one scripture. Chapter 2, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Here's the preacher whose kids don't know the Lord. You know what? You can be about the father's business. You can be about good things. But if you neglect your own children, you have failed. When God... Imp- in instructs you when he uh, gives you children, whether they're your own children of your own flesh, or he gives you children that he wants you to be a big brother to, a big sister to. He expects you to teach them the ways of the Lord and to honor them. You know, I, I remember uh, having someone years ago, and and it was a woman who... She was always at the church, and thank God for that. You know, she wanted to serve God, but she neglected her children, and she neglected her husband. And what ended up is her husband divorced her, and her children didn't want to have anything to do with her because she was at the church all the time. Was that God's will? Did we require it of her? No. But you have to know that you can bring your children with you into the house of the Lord. Let me let me show you a scripture I wasn't going to go there but let me there is a scripture I want to show you. Joel 2 Joel 2 and I'm going to read it out of the message Bible Joel 2 verse 15. Remember in the when the Holy Spirit came on the church in Acts 2 remember they quoted Joel that your sons and your daughters, that this will come for your sons and your daughters and fall upon them. Joel 2. Blow the ram's horn trumpet in Zion. Declare a day of repentance, a holy fast day. Call a public meeting. Get everyone there. Consecrate the congregation. Make sure the elders come, but bring in the children too, even the nursing babies. Even men and women on their honeymoon. Interrupt them and get them there. Between sanctuary entrance and altar, let the priests, God's servants, weep tears of repentance. Let them intercede. Have mercy, God, on your people. Don't am- abandon your heritage to contempt. Don't let the ta- pagans take over and rule them and sneer. So where is this God of theirs? Did you hear that? We are, according to the New Testament, we are priests unto our God. And he says bring all of them into the sanctuary. The children, even the nursing babies. Do you know what? If you will bring your children, you don't ask a child, do they want to go to church? How many ask your children, do you want to go to school? (laughs) Usually the girls will say yes and the boys will go no. Sometimes it's a little different, but. You usually have at least one that's not really eager. You don't, you don't ask. You are parents. You lead. But if you're parents who just pick and choose when you're going to go to church, you know what your children will think? We get to pick and choose too. You train up a child. What does Proverbs 22 say? It says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they'll not depart from it. That's a true thing. Now, they might look like they're departing from it. They might act like they're departing from it. But if you'll stand on the word of God, they will come. What if you're saying here today, well, Pastor Brennan, I didn't know how to train my children. I didn't do it. I didn't do it right. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus, the mercy of God, the grace of God? that you can start now. But I think about my little grandbaby. I sat with Dennis Burke in, in that office in there because, you know what, neither one of us were supposed to have children, the Burks and the Boundses, Both of us had been told we couldn't have children. So we both put our faith on it, and we sort of had a contest. Who's going to have the first baby? Because we both are believing God, and the doctors say for both of us that's not going to be possible. By the way, the Bounds won. Yes. <laughs> Six months. Beat them out by six months. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. And I remind him of that often. But we raised Jonathan and Liberty and Jessica in the word of faith. We raised them in church. We raised them in the things of God. We taught them how to use faith. And now they have children. And we were talking about how, how further they can go in raising their children. And then just think about their children. Yeah. About they've got, uh, they've got Jude and Ramah and Lucas and we've got Moses. And just think how far those kids are going to go. Why? Because of the heritage of faith. Right. The heritage of faith. You are important that you learn to walk by faith because somebody will follow you. They might be someone that's 35 years old or 50 years old. They don't have to be a child, but somebody's going to watch your faith and say, "How How do you handle that? How do you handle that? How do you handle when bad things happen to you? How do you handle when money situations come? How do you handle when there's marriage problems? How do you handle it? Someone's watching. So it's not about you feeling like i got this pressure to be perfect. It is saying I need to walk by faith because it's good for me and it's good for whoever's watching me because if I walk by faith, I'll be successful. Amen? Yes, there'll be times that are not so fun. Yes, there'll be some times that are challenging, But let me tell you, Hannah had some times that were challenging. She had years of watching women around her have babies. If you have ever been barren like I was, it's no fun to watch babies being dedicated. It's no fun to go to baby showers because you're thinking, I want a baby. But if you have your faith in line, you can go to baby showers and you can see babies and say, Thank God I'll have one one day. Thank God I'll have one one day. Because the Lord is faithful. Amen? Amen. Psalm 127 says children are a gift of the Lord. King James says children are a heritage of the Lord. Remember that verse we just read out of Joel. It says that this is your heritage. You bring your heritage into the sanctuary. One of the greatest things we did with our children... Is that we had daily devotions in our home, we had daily praise and worship in our home. Oh, we had when they were just preschoolers, you know. Uh, Liberty had a triangle, you know what one of those are, and Jonathan had a drum, and I played the piano, and we had praise and worship, and then we'd switch around and and praise the Lord. We taught them how to praise the Lord in the home, so that when they came in the church, they knew how. So many people just think, well, when they come in the church, they'll praise the Lord. You need to teach them at home. Were there days that they didn't want to do that? hmm Were there days that they were just, you know, looking like they were bored, silly? Mm-hmm. But you're consistent, and you do it, and it pays off. Yeah. Amen? It works. It works. And another thing is we took them. And even at prayer, we brought them to prayer. And some of you know the story of Liberty was just young. And she would really get in the spirit praying. She's a great prayer warrior. But she ran into that wall right there because she had her eyes closed just to praying. Broke her tooth. I had to take her right to the dentist. He said, how did this happen? She was praying. She ran into a wall. <laughs> they probably don't get a lot of kids with that testimony. <laughs> but the reason my my children are prayers now, I believe, is because it wasn't prayer was not for the adults. Yeah. The bounces are going to prayer. It wasn't because they were the preacher's kids either. By the way, it was because it's the right thing. The Browns are going to prayer. We all go to prayer. We all go to church. We all go to, you know, even like a youth activity, there would be sometimes times where, where one of them would say, well, I really don't like that, what they're doing tonight. That's, I don't like to do that. And I, in our home, it was like that's not an option. You're part of the youth group. You do what the youth group does. It's just what we do. Yeah. And you teach them. That there is times when you just do what's right. And then you live, you know, you live a godly, godly lifestyle. You know, men, you influence your children greatly. Because usually they hear mama pray, they need to hear daddy pray. Sometimes they say, Mama prays the Lord, they need to see daddy praise the Lord. They need to see that God is in the family, not just in mama. Or, and it could be the other way around, there's there's men that are living godly lives and serving God, and the women are just kind of tagging along. It is important that we make a heritage of faith for our family and for those around us. Amen? So this is today, I don't want you to feel any condemnation. Because in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. But can't we start today and say, you know what? I'm going to take that seriously. I am going to create a heritage of faith. You know, when they did, my my brother does uh, studies on genealogy, and he, he's written books on my parents and a book on my mom, a book on my dad, and he studies all this. When you go back, like my dad was the first one that was really born again, that we thought we because nobody in his family went to church uh, and there was no churchgoers. but my daddy got born again and we went to church every time the doors open but you know this is what is so wonderful about god before they died as far as i know maybe one didn't receive the lord but the rest of them received the lord but right at the end but that's okay praise the lord but from my daddy on, we're all saved. My mom and daddy, their children and their children's children are still all saved. And I believe the grandchildren from that, great-grandchildren. Why? It's a heritage of faith. Maybe you, you came from that kind of home. You can be the one that changes generations. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Somebody's got to do it. Somebody prayed you into the kingdom you got to pray somebody else into the kingdom. And it's wonderful to take your family with you. Amen? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Psalms 127, I'm going to read it to you in the New American. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. One one scripture says, one translation says, children, the fruit of the womb, children are a blessing. I remember buying a Mother's Day card one day and it it said, say this three times every day, children are a blessing, children are a blessing, children are a blessing. <laughs> children are a reward, children are a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Hallelujah, some of you's quivers are bigger than the others. One preacher said, how do you know your quiver is full? It's when you look at your kids and you quiver, then they're full. (laughs) (laughs) Ours was full at two. Eric had a bigger quiver. (laughs) The Message Bible says of this scripture, don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy. Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents. With your quivers full of children, your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off your doorstep. How does that happen? Is when you teach your children the authority of the believer. Then you're not having to stand alone. Listen, you get some of those little kids around you, they got great faith. You want to get healed? Go down to our nursery. Ask them to pray for you. And if you don't jump up healed, they're going to ask you what your problem is. They're not going to think they didn't have the faith. I promise you, they're going to ask you what's wrong with you. How come you're not jumping up? That is true. Listen, there was many a time when I would I would need healing and David would be gone and I would bring my children in and say, lay your hands on me. Because they learned that God can work through them. They learned that God can use them. And it's not just mommy and daddy that they, God can use them. Or it's not just the preacher. Listen, some of them just think it's just the preacher. There's people today that just think, well, if you're a preacher, you can pray. Let me tell you, if you're a believer, you can pray. And you can see signs and wonders. And you can see miracles. You don't have to be up in the pulpit. In fact, Mark 16, Jesus said, They that believe shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He didn't say, They that believe and preach. I'm telling you God wants us to walk in great manifestations of his of his presence, of his anointing, and we start walking in it then we leave a trail behind us. There is a obvious trail. You know there you can drive up here and and you can go like you're going to Turtleford and you can see where the wagon trail, where the wagon trains came from Saskatoon, and they were coming down where the bar colonists and stuff. Where you can see trails that are still there. They bar, bar colonists came in 1903, isn't that right? Something, somewhere around that time, is that right? 19 early 1900s, first decade of 1900. You can still see the tracks. Why? Because it was over and over and over. Listen there is a trail behind you that you leave. And it ought to be a trail of faith. It ought to be a trail of signs and wonders and miracles. You know what? It's good to remember the goodness of God. It's good to sit down with your family and say, let me tell you what God's done. You know what? I loved it when when we would sit with my mom and would say, tell us about when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Tell us about when Daddy got saved. Tell us about. And she would tell stories of miracles. And we wanted to hear them. But you know what? She never told them until she got really into a good word of faith church. Because she thought they were too holy to tell. But we needed to hear them. Her children needed to know. You need to tell people. Tell somebody so that you leave. When you leave this earth. You've left a trail, and it's not a trail of destruction. It's a trail of blessing. It's a trail of faith, so someone can follow it. You know, uh, I'm on some ministry boards, and some some of these ministers are getting up in years. And one of the things we talk about on these boards is how do we leave after these people go? Will there still be a ministry? How do we make that happen? We're not talking, we know there's ministry on the earth, but we're talking about a particular ministry. Will there still be that particular ministry if a person leaves, goes to home to be with the Lord? We've got to talk about, should Jesus, Terry, we've got to talk about 50, 60 years down the road. We got to talk about that too. You got to talk about it's important that you believe God to live. Live long and live strong because you need to leave a heritage of faith. It's important that you know you got to use your faith. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. I remember when I first heard that, that was preached by somebody that preached a lot about prosperity. So he used that as mean, you know, it's you're supposed to leave money for your children. That's a good, a good man will leave some money. Well, that's a good thing too. But listen, a better thing is you leave a heritage of faith. And they can get the money with the faith. You know, I was getting on the plane in, in uh, Edmonton. On uh, what day? I've been here and there all over. I think that was Thursday morning. I was getting on a plane. And so I checked in and I just had a carry on bag. Now, they've never weighed my carry on bags. <laughs> but this man says, Let me weigh your bag. I went, Why? He said, Well, you're only allowed 22 pounds. I said, Okay. I thought it's probably 22 pounds. He says, Oh, it's over. And I said, well, let me take out my Bible. It'll weigh five pounds because it's got my notebook and my journal in it. So let me take out my Bible. So the woman that's at the stand, she went, you take your Bible with you? I said, yes, I'd rather have my Bible than my clothes. (gasps) Why? (laughs) I said, my Bible will get me some clothes. She said, you mean you read your Bible? I said, yes. Even when you travel? Yes. Why? It was a great opportunity to talk to this young lady because obviously she had never met anybody that had a Bible handy. She was probably, like I was raised, the Bible stayed on the coffee table and you just kept it dusted just in case the preacher happened to show up. So that he'd think you read it, but you knew you didn't read it, but it had to look good. And usually you had a big coffee table Bible that was like this big that you got when you got married. How many know? How many of that generation we got a Bible when we got married? And and you would never bring it to church. <laughs> it was so big. But here's the thing is that that young lady needed to know. That when I left, I left faith there. When I left, so, oh, well, let me say. He, she, he says, even when you take out your Bible, you're over 22 pounds, you've got to check this bag. And I went, "Oh, uh-huh. okay, check it. So I said, well, let me put my Bible back in there. She said, I thought you read your Bible. I said, oh, I've got my Bible on my phone. I've got my Bible. I said, I've got Bibles with me. I've got a Kindle that has my Bible, several versions of the Bible. I've got my phone that has several versions of the Bible. She said, you've got a phone with Bible on it, you got a Kindle with Bible on it, and you've got a Bible Bible. <laughs> yeah. I can read my Bible anytime I want to. Why would you? <laughs> But see, before you know Jesus, doesn't that sound like the dumbest thing? I would have thought the same thing. Like, why would you add to your luggage? Why would you put, take up data space with a Bible? Because that's what's going to cause us to live victorious. That's our very life. You ought to have the Word of God with you. You'll never leave a heritage of faith if you don't have the Word of God with you, in you. And out of your mouth. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just look again. Proverbs 22 6 says, train up a child. That word train, the children are out of the room, so we can tell you this. That word train literally means how when you, you know, when a baby is first born, some babies start nursing just naturally. And some you have to guide and teach them how to nurse. That's what that train means, that you guide nourishment into that child. You guide them into t- receiving the word of God. You train up a child in the way of the Lord. Now, if you read it in like the King James, it says train up a child in the way of go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. So many people have this idea. You train up a child. They go through a rebellious Season They leave God, but when they're old, they'll come back. You can't guarantee that they'll get old. You can't guarantee they'll come back, but maybe that's where your faith is. But if you train them, that even when they're old. But let me tell you, I'm I'm talking to people that I know, some of you have had challenges with children that have left the faith it looks like. But you don't know what they, what's happening in their bedrooms. You don't know. Because if you'll use your faith and hold on, God will talk to them in the most wonderful ways. I have testimonies of my own uh, siblings how God would, no matter what little, little island somewhere that nobody ever heard of, God would send somebody that had filled with the Holy Ghost and invite them to dinner. To just talk to them about God. Isn't that wonderful? You cannot figure out how God's going to do it, but I promise you, He'll do it. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on anybody because God wants everybody to be saved. No one is without God. As I was at the Sean's uh, celebration of life yesterday, my heart broke cuz I could look at these young men and young women I was talking to Michelle going home. My heart broke because they were broken and mourning and grieving. And my heart said you need Jesus. You you haven't found the answer you need in your way. Try Jesus. And I want you to pray for those young men and women who were friends of Sean's and friends of Bobby's and Aaron's, friends of Michelle's, pray for them so that they will understand that there's a God who loves them and died for them. Let me tell you, there there is hope for everybody. No one's hopeless. Your children aren't hopeless. Your neighbors aren't hopeless. Your grandchildren aren't hopeless. God is able. If you'll just trust him, amen. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 3. Remember, Paul was talking to um, Timothy about his, he'd already talked to him about his faith from his grandmother and his mother. This out of the New Living Translation says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Your children can't receive Jesus unless somebody teaches them. That's why our job is to teach children downstairs. Because we can't depend on that that they're being taught that at home. But if you're here today, you're hearing me and I'm saying it's not the church's responsibility, it's yours. The church is to add to your teaching, but it's your responsibility. And even when they say, I don't want to hear it, you say, this is my house. This is my God. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you come against rebellious spirits and you bind them. And you just keep on believing God and you will see. You will see it. You'll see it. Can you believe it? Amen. I believe it. And then know that there's a whole body of believers that are believing with you. That you are not by yourself. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. For one of the first scriptures my children learned. What does Ephesians 6, 1 say? Children obey your parents in the ward for this is white. <laughs> I don't know if they even understood it, but they knew the scripture. It is right. So parents, it's right that your children obey you. Yeah, that's right. It's right that you require your children to obey you. Yeah, yeah, right. This is right. Let me tell you, the world doesn't have this mentality. But this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Does that mean that after you're out, away from home, you should obey your ch- parents? No. That means that's when we honor our father and our mother. You, do you honor them because they're right? No, you honor them because you're, they're your father and your mother. Even if your father and mother are unbelievers, you still honor them. You honor them, and that will win them to the Lord. That will open doors. I won't say it will win them to the Lord, but it will open doors for them to be at least willing to listen. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Did we hear that? That's fathers and mothers, by the way. You know what? If you're disciplining your children with anger, they will be angry. If you're angry, that's not the time to discipline. You need to go get cooled off and then go back. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The discipline of the Lord. The instruction of the Lord. That's important. Of the Lord. Not of society. Not of the government. Of the Lord. Proverbs 29, 15 says, A rod and reproof give wisdom. But listen to this. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Today society says, let let them, you know, just they'll they'll figure it out. Let them be no. A child who gets his own way will bring you shame. Is it easy? No. Discipline, to discipline children and to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord takes you being disciplined. Most children who are undisciplined have undisciplined parents. And listen, I've been a parent that, you know, there were days when I would just beg God, please, do I have to do it one more time? Can I just let them get by with it today? I'm tired. I don't feel good. So they're doing what they shouldn't do, but can they just get by with it today? And in my spirit, it would rise up. Discipline your children. If you don't discipline your children, the Bible says you hate them. Discipline does not mean beat your children, by the way. Discipline means discipline them. Disciple them. And don't live in fear what the government says. Do it God's way and you'll... Listen, we did it God's way. I've had many people ask me to write a book on raising children. They said, your kids turned out right. Well, I tell you, thank God they did. But here's the key that they did it by is that we raise them in discipline. Did we do some things right? Yes, we did a lot right. Did we do some things wrong? Yep. <laughs> I still go back to my kids and ask, will, will you forgive me? Because I have these memories, one particular of liberty, and it was just a terrible thing. It was like, bless her little heart. But. And then Jonathan tells me how he would get spankings when he wasn't guilty, and Jonathan is a real black and white, and it wasn't fair, you spanked me because I did that, but I didn't do that, but then I got, you know, then I'm talking, and they'll say, you know, we jumped off that ledge, and you know, I, one day I jumped down and knocked the breath out of me, and I didn't breathe for a long time, Liberty had to run get somebody to help me, what, <laughs> I think that's a story, that might not be exactly how it went, but Cause I was in shock. I don't remember it exactly. <laughs> kids will be kids. And you know what? Have you ever t- had your kids and, and I mean you got good kids but they get in public and they just go like you look at them like where did you come from? <laughs> They're just bouncing off the wall. Well, if you're a parent, you don't hold that against them because you know, hey, kids do that. That's how kids do. But your job as a parent, and we as a body of believers, let me tell you, this is for all of us. You're not supposed to run and get somebody, you see a kid doing something, you go spank them. That's not your job, (laughs) even though you might want to. (laughs) It's not your job. One woman, she was working in a nursery. This is years ago. And finally this mother came up to me, or me and David one night, and she said, so-and-so, every time she's in nursery, she spanks my kids, like with a board. In our nursery? <laughs> yeah. We had no clue. And no one told us except this woman because her kids got spanked every time. Every service her kids were getting spanked. Every time this woman was in nursery, which this woman was the nursery supervisor. So she was in nursery a lot. And she spanked the kids. We didn't know that. That's not our job. But it's your job. So you discipline your children. And don't be afraid that, well, they won't like me. (laughs) You know what? I can guarantee they're not going to like you all the time. But it leads to good results. Do you want them to like you or do you want to raise godly children? They'll love you. But listen, let me tell you a secret. All parents don't like their kids all the time. (laughs) They love them. Now, some of y'all might say, "Oh." I remember saying, I love you, but I do not like your behavior. You're supposed to like me. I love you. I do not like your behavior. That is true love. Amen. (laughs) We got to close this up. Because some of y'all are just looking like, I want out of here. And some of you are just shaking your head, but it's okay because I am you know God called me to do this service today as a mother. Yeah. I wasn't called today to do a let's you know let's cheer and I'll walk out going whoopee doopee doo. <laughs> this is what apostles this is what mothers do. They set things in order. Yeah. That's a that's a job of an apostle, read it in the scriptures to set things in order. Yeah. Yeah. And so one one man called me one of our wonderful men of God called me one day and he said "He said, I, I know God's called you to be an apostle but it's one of the loneliest callings in the scriptures and there'll be people that won't understand you and so I feel bad for you. <laughs> it really made my day. <laughs> but as a mother in the faith I'm telling you, just as you are mothers and fathers, there's time that you bring correction. There's time you bring instruction. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the kids don't like it. But it's good. Amen? Genesis 18, God says he chose Abraham. Why? He would teach his children. In fact, the New American, I believe, says that he would command his children. Oh, that doesn't go good in our society today. Command your children. Teach is kind of like, you know, can be kind of a nice thing. But command? I command you. That's not good in our society. But God chose Abraham because, in other words, he had authority over his children. That's what it's about. In the home, who runs the home? The children or the parents? All you got to do is go to a grocery store and you can see who's running the homes. Now, like I said, don't judge it and think that's always the case because kids, that's when they'll figure, I can get away with it because we're in public. (laughs) But all you got to do is teach them a few times that, nope, that doesn't work very well. And here's the end result. I've taught you today what the scripture says, and we haven't even touched. I mean, we this could be like six weeks of teaching. I, I, we haven't really touched on it. Go to your scripture. Look up children. Look up uh, parenting. There's so many things. But if you've not done it right, don't condemn yourself. And if you know maybe your spouse, you don't agree with the way they did it. You know what? Do not bring it up. Start today because you can't go back. If we can if we can if we go back to what we've done wrong, then we're negating the blood of Jesus, right? Cuz we've all messed up. So you cannot condemn yourself, you cannot condemn your spouse, you cannot condemn somebody in the church, well they're not doing it right. This is about you. This is about me. What can I do to to do better? To be an example of faith. To my children, my grandchildren, to other people's children, to other adults? What can I do that I can say, this is, this is how you live for Jesus? And you know what? Sometimes you can take young ones, like the Bible says, the older women are to teach the younger women. Younger women have to be teachable. <laughs> younger women, if you're not teachable, you're going to miss out on some real wisdom that God has in your life. I thank God for older women that were taught me things. Some of them weren't older in age so much, but they were they had experience that taught me how to do things. I'm thankful for that. Amen? Men, you're supposed to teach the younger men. And you're supposed to be an example to them. Well, we all have people we can be an example to. And the end result... Now, this is talking about the godly woman. Because this is Mother's Day, I wanted to end with this, but the end result is this, Proverbs 31. I wrote a song using these scriptures one time, and I remember today as as I was just printing it out, I remembered singing it to my mom on her 75th birthday. We had a big deal, and... <laughs> She wanted that cassette. She wanted it on cassette, and she wanted to play it like every day. <laughs> Bless her heart. Mama's love. Even, you know, for mamas, children's voices are wonderful, even though they're not really. <laughs> so Proverbs 31, I'll do you a favor and not sing it, okay? <laughs> Although I did almost call the praise team today and said, Can y'all sing that today? Do you remember it? Hmm. Huh? I figured the ones that were here wouldn't remember it. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Today, your works will praise you. When you leave a heritage of faith, that will praise you. Maybe not on earth. As we talked, as I was talking to someone this week on my travels, and I was having dinner with these people, and we talked about the influence that we have on people and how, Prophetically, Brother Copeland had prophesied over David in 1988. And he said, I see you in heaven. And I see hundreds of thousands. He said, I see thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people coming to thank you for bringing them the gospel. And we talked about how being a partner or being a part of a body like this body. When you're part of this body... And you give your prayer and you give your money. When you get to heaven, there'll be people who will thank you. Because why? We've taken that and we made it twice sown seed. We've given it into ministries that are reaching all over the world. I'm telling you, I promise you when you get to heaven, there'll be many Filipinos that will come up to you and thank you. But I tell you what, there'll be some Filipinos that will be thanking. Because they prayed for us. They've been believing for us. It goes both ways. And so you have no idea. It might look like you only influence a few hundred people in your life. But in reality, in the body of Christ, the way God keeps the books, you have much fruit. Much fruit. And so we have to be mindful of that. What do I do with my money? What do I do with my prayer? What do I do with my service? That I'm mindful that what I do will influence other people. And I want to influence them for the gospel. I want to influence them to live for Jesus. So that on one day when we stand before the Lord, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of the world. And with that, I say, amen.